0: Hey guys, it's Laura and welcome back to Let's Chat Healthcare. This is the second part to Edgardo's episode, Against All Odds. And I think this is a really important episode because this episode really focuses on reflection and kind of how the system worked for him and maybe some ways that the system can, the healthcare system can be improved for future patients. Um, We had a really great conversation and thank you again to Edgardo for coming on and sharing his story I think that we're all thankful that he was willing to do that all right guys without further ado let's get into it
1: it's hard you know what I mean like to be a patient so not only was I given this new like vantage point of being a patient but I was thrust into like full, not just like a patient like you're a full-blown 100% now dependent on the healthcare team to make sure you live what what the fuck yeah right that's fucking scary
0: I mean and like being a healthcare worker myself like and you too like it's scary just knowing what happens in the hospital yeah and knowing that kind of to them you're just another patient
1: yeah and that. And that totally changed in me too. Now, having gone through that, like you, you don't again. What's the word? Like don't patronize patients. I guess like yeah, play like it like don't yeah. don't bullshit them. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're they're people too. You know what I mean. And for me to sit there now and say things like dude, it's just an IV, like, don't worry about it, or, like, what he's so scared about is just the ultrasound? Like, being on the receiving end of that, like, is, is so different. Yeah. Right, because...
0: It's our everyday, and it's there it once is. in a lifetime. Yeah,
1: like, they may never go back to the hospital again. Yeah. You know, a patient, and then that's it for them. But, you know, we see it every day, so we can't, Look at them and and treat it as if it's nothing because to them it's not nothing. Yeah. To them it's this is like the. I mean, worst to point us it shouldn't life. be
0: nothing. But I mean. well, but it's hard because you have to have a barrier of like like I was saying. I feel like it's hard because you have to have a barrier where you need to be able to do this every day. Like those nurses absolutely. in the ICU need to be able to take care of patients like you every day. So how do they do that and still recognize you as an individual?
1: One hundred percent.
0: And I'm saying that to myself, I'm speaking to
1: Yeah, you I mean, <laughs> we will all get to that point, yeah, where you've just had enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. And because we're human. like we can't to be looking at death that often. yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, there are outliers out there, some nurses that can handle it, and they're just fine. They just know how to cope with it, and it just doesn't affect them in any way, and they're fine. No problem. But then you have other people or people like me that even now, like prior to coming back to work, I would question, like, do I have what it takes now to be in Mm -hmm. the ED again? Like what, to see how fragile life is, do I have, do I have it anymore?
0: I think that's why a lot of um, people that become parents stop working with kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another, that's a whole other topic of conversation. Now, I'm having this like existential moment in my life where like, wait a minute, like I could die. Like, that's not something that people in our age group really have to yeah. think about. Right. Like,
0: yeah,
1: again, there are outliers, right? You have both ends of the of the bell-shaped curve that will...
0: Something random happens, but right? you never think it's going to be you.
1: Right. But most of us in our age group, we don't, right? Like, yeah. it's not something that we have to to face. We're only going to think of our immortality, right? Like, yeah. Or mortality, I mean... Mm-hmm. um so now thinking about that stuff you're like what's what's most important to me you know like i have to sit here and like really like set those goals right like yeah and my family like absolutely like that is the number one thing like you know we 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 sometimes and this is a very general like statement and i don't think this is something that applies to everybody but we we sometimes think, like, there's this, like, grandiose, like, one big thing that, like, we're supposed to accomplish in life. And, like, that's yeah. going to be what's going to fucking set you apart and set you on this trajectory to to be famous or whatever it is you want to do. And, like, this is my legacy here. You know what I mean? And, like, you're like, what, what better gift than this, you know? But I'm going to tell you, man, almost dying and losing my life, like, being able to be here now, like, what better gift than to see my kids grow up? Like, honestly... Like that is it. That that is all I live for right now. And that's all I care about. Um you could take everything else away, but if I can grow up to see them grow up, pff, like I'm I'm good. You know? And that's that's fucking that's rough, you know? That,
0: and that's probably what you were thinking about during the hospital stay too.
1: Yeah. Like, like I need to get out of here.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, for sure.
0: Wow. That's
1: intense. <laughs> it is intense. You know, and then I mean, I had like you, I'm not a spirit I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. I don't believe in like formal religion or anything like that though. And I don't go to church. Like that's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. But as I'm sitting there dying, you know, going into this black abyss, like I had this weird moment. Like it was I was in the room, and then now I'm not. And then I open my eyes and I'm in this white room. Now the science in me and all that other stuff, right, goes, dude, this is your brain just pumping you full of endorphins, getting you high for what's about to come, which yeah. is you transition. The part of you says that. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're about <laughs> to transition into death, buddy, and like your brain is giving you your last hurrah, you know, and I'm sitting in this room and this person wearing all white picks me up and says, you're going to be okay. Like, I'm going to take care of you and like lifts me. And I'm like floating in the air, right? Yeah. And lays me down, and then, and then when that's done, I open my eyes, and that's when I woke up in the ICU. And uh-huh. I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" You know what I mean?
0: Now, who's to say? <laughs>
1: right? Like, who is to say? Right? Like, yeah. I can't.
0: There's no logic. Like, okay. there is no
1: logic, right? Like, you can't we look at want the
0: sciences. Yeah, yes, but it's you, not always science. <laughs> you
1: don't, and like there are things that you just can't explain right like now i always give people the analogy i'm like look man like i can't physically see wind you know what i mean but it's blowing on things it's blowing you see the trees are swaying the leaves are are moving through the world It exists it exists right now i can't physically and tangibly like show you what i experienced but i experienced it right like
0: and the effects that it has exactly and to, exactly,
1: and to mm-hmm. deny myself that experience would be wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And just yeah. because I don't necessarily believe in something like that doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't happen. Like, I mean, there are a lot of things that happen on this on this planet that you just like, whoa, like what the heck is going on? Right? So and the reason I say that is because on top of the sepsis and on on top of the blood loss. Statistically speaking, I should be dead right now. Like, there is no reason I should be alive right now, and I am. You know, and
0: how does it? How does it feel to live knowing that?
1: It's very humbling. You know what I mean, and makes you appreciate like life. And like, I hate to sound so like <laughs> simple. Like, I wish I had like some like crazy grandiose thing, right? Like yeah. to tell you, but like, oh my god, like I had this vision and. But it just boils down to the most simple things in life, you know. And spend time with the people that care and love you, and give them that love back. Like, what more do you want? You know, like, like that's it.
0: Yeah, you're making me think about my life too.
1: You know, I, like obviously do the things you enjoy. Yeah. But if you're gonna do something, make sure you're doing it because you love it, and because that's where you want your time spent. Because time,
0: is, you don't have. You don't limited. have
1: it. You don't have it, yeah. you know? And that's when people try to get me out of the house. Hey, let's go do. eat. Like, if I'm going to take time out of my day to come hang out with you, like, don't waste my time. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, we're going to do this and we're going to be involved and we're going to, don't invite me to go have lunch with you. And then you're going to spend half of the time on your phone. Yeah. Right? Like, be present in those moments because.
0: You the, never know you, what tomorrow. Brings. Yeah.
1: Not even tomorrow. In the next few minutes. Like, you may never have that again. Yeah. And if I can walk away from my kids knowing for the day, like, okay, my wife and my kids, I, I was here and I, you know, we're laughing. and I was here with you and I walk away, and something happens to me. Like, it sucks, obviously, right? But at the very least, I'll know that
0: I spent the, th- moments.
1: I spent the yeah. moments with you and I was there with you. And I no one can take that away from me. Now, if I was there with you and, like, not paying attention... Like that would be my biggest regret walking away. It's like, why didn't I just pay more attention while I was just there? Be present in those moments, you know?
0: It's really interesting to hear you talk about this from kind of like the nurse perspective and also the patient side and like the more holistic side. It is. Because I think as nurses, sometimes we become too sciencey and we think about facts and it's not always about the facts of what's happening. And sometimes you can beat statistics.
1: You can. I was very humbled because... Prior to getting sick, and this is why I was talking about that whole, like, spiritual aspect of it. Prior to getting sick, I'm really good at talking to people at work and, like, but I don't open up about my personal life. Mm. Like, you know, like, we laugh and we do things and, like, we're having these long conversations. But it's like, I've always kept people at a distance. Yeah. But then going through this and seeing the community of people that came out to call it pray to send good vibes into the universe, to wish me well. The amount of people and positivity that came from all of that was, again, a humbling experience. And I, it's like part of you goes, nah, dude, you made it because you got lucky and the doctors did what they were supposed to and all of that other stuff. But the other part of me goes, dude, you're here because the world that you're involved with wasn't ready to see you go and they fucking fought for you. Like that aspect of it too is really not very nursing and it's very like like you said holistic right and as patients and as people we need that in our healing right like a lot of these kids that come in now like it's not just a matter of like reassuring parents like hey they they do this procedure all the time like how are you taking care of their mental health like what what else are we doing how are we reaching out to them to make them feel like they're going to be in good hands and build that rapport yeah. you know now having gone through this experience and talking to parents like they're like what do you know I'll be like well let me tell you what i know right like you can't yeah now you come with some credibility
0: mm-hmm.
1: right because now it's not just bullshit that you're feeding these people about like your job yeah it's now you've experienced it
0: and you can share it with the rest of us too yeah
1: and you share it with if people are willing to hear it like now yeah. you, you you very well know you can't change people like that's not yeah. something that after a 15 minute conversation right but if the person is willing to listen then i'd be more than willing to talk yeah and whoever wanted to listen about anything right like I, like now like we're talking about healthcare and it's not to give necessarily patients advice but tell them the story of what you went through and then right
0: yeah and how like different perspectives exactly. and learning from that and what can make it better yeah 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 that's a crazy story <laughs> It is crazy. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I think we already talked about this one. It was kind of like what did you notice while being in the hospital as a nurse that um maybe someone who wasn't working in healthcare would have noticed.
1: Yeah, I mean there's we there's kind of just so much more it, yeah. though, still, you know what I mean? Like True. um the judgment that we have as nurses mm-hmm. against people, right? Like one of the other things that I had to suffer through was my pain. Mm-hmm. And the pain was excruciating.
0: And it was from the beginning.
1: From the very beginning. Yeah, so like, I was on Dilaudid from the very beginning. From
0: the moment your daughter headbutted you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From the moment she headbutted me, I was on delauded. Let's go with the big one. No, um, after I got the drains, I was just in really bad pain.
0: Yeah. And
1: I couldn't shake it. So then when I make it to ICU, post hemorrhaging and everything, like now I'm in a lot of pain. Because now I'm having like this like uh nerve pain, basically, right? So I'm on uh, seventy-five mic fentanyl drip, IV round the clock for like three, four days straight.
0: Wow!
1: On top of that, I'm getting morphine. No, I'm, on top of that, I'm, yeah, I'm getting morphine and delotid and oxy's for breakthrough pain. And these
0: are all opioids. And these
1: are all opioids. These are and you're not going to say are no because you're the sleep I'm suffering. Like, what are you doing, right? Yeah. And this is this is like something that nurses need to know, right? Just yeah. and because I'm guilty of it. If you're sleeping, you're not having pain. Yeah. Right? Like, that is, like, the one thing that I'm like, there's no way you're having pain right now. You're yeah. knocked out. You're, you look comfortable. Right? Wow. How stupid do I feel? Because let me tell you, when you're on that many pain meds, it gets you so high, it puts you to sleep, but you are suffering on the inside.
0: I heard that. I've never had those medications, but I've heard that it kind of separates you from the suffering, but you still feel it. Like, it doesn't take it away. It kind of like... Yeah, it doesn't. patients have told me.
1: It takes the sharpness, I
0: guess, of it away, if that
1: makes any sense like that. Yeah. But I was very present and aware of how Mm. much suffering I was going through. That's interesting
0: because some of our pain scores are even based on if they're sleeping.
1: Yeah, right? That's interesting. And that needs to get changed, right? Our Mm. judgment on people who are going through that needs to get changed because... I didn't, like, don't try to make me feel shitty because I need more pain meds because I'm suffering with your dirty looks. Like, how is that fair to me? Like, now I have to feel guilty that now I'm supposed to suck this up? Like, it's like, dude, like, I'm suffering here. And just because I'm asleep doesn't mean I'm not suffering. My dreams of those pain dreams is what I call them, are the worst ever. Anxiety, like, you're in pain. You're, like, anxious. You can't. And all the pain meds did was for sure take the edge off, but it basically gets you so high that you sleep through, that you're just not conscious, I guess, if you want to say, right? Like, as you're suffering. Wow. So basically, shut you up.
0: So you don't really know what's going on. So
1: you right? And you're just high, 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 like high as a kite. Wow. And then. uh, And then
0: being able to, I'm thinking about like just if you were. Trying to have conversations with the doctor and make decisions about yeah. things. What about people, yeah, who and don't have situation. caregivers there? And what? someone that your wife is a nurse, which is really <laughs> awesome that she could be there. Yeah. For as much as she could. Yeah, like, but what would I have, have done? done? Like, like it's, it's just this yeah.
1: high patient just laying in bed, not yeah. knowing what the hell's going on.
0: I mean, there are those patients. 100%. I care of them. 100%. Yeah.
1: It's like, how do you fix that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know right? Like, even gone through part? it, like, is there a solution? You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I will tell you what, though, there definitely needs to be more follow-through mm-hmm. or follow-up once you get discharged. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And just having Actually, a nurse, that was
0: one of my next questions. Like, like what do you think I'm were the, 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 the long-term impacts? Oh, my God. Or the major ones. Long-term,
1: time? long-term <laughs> impacts? Yeah. You know, dude. Physically, like... I'm 95% of what I used to be. Like, you know, it's like you, like like when you, yeah, I'm a year out now. So you crash a car, you get a bag, like it just doesn't drive the same. You know (laughs) what I mean? Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's not the same (laughs) red and it's making this squeaking noise every time I turn. And that's, that's, that's where I'm at now. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I'm not what I used to be and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I've learned to accept this new me because we are, Every day, transforming and transitioning into different phases of our lives, and unfortunately, I had to go through that. But this is a new me, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I still have like nerve pain Um, because, on top of all the liver drains and everything that I had, I I got a loculated emphymas. So basically, I don't
0: know what that is.
1: Basically, the infection was so bad in my liver cavity that it was drawing pus and everything into my pleural space, like your lungs, my lung space. So outside of the lung. In wow. this cavity. So I'm filling up with fluid in my lung cavity. And it's not letting my lung expand.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so. You'd never think that, that things thing. like this can happen. Exactly,
1: right? And that's you.
0: <laughs> like the, the nurse. As a yeah. nurse, I'm
1: like, it's so simple. You're going in for a liver drain, like, and then you go home antibiotics. But the amount of complications and the amount of things along the way are you know, you don't think about it, but when they start happening to you, you go, oh my God, how stupid and how naive yeah. was I to think that these things are okay. Like that once they leave the ED, that they're, they're going to be fine, but it's not. They're going, they're going to suffer through something for the next, forever. Like something they think about. I know, and I said
0: before that one of my favorite things about the ED is that we always send them up with hope. Yeah. But now I'm kind of feeling like maybe I, mean, I, I think, belittle it sometimes. I, I think you
1: can still send them with hope. I think. And be realistic. And be realistic. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. and that's that's what's changed in me. Like, I'll say things like, "Yeah, like, look, I understand. Like, we do this a lot, and I was like, but there are the complications can happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to feel like we're we're gonna treat you like we're not gonna be careful. But yeah. I also don't want you to feel like this is the end all be all either, mm-hmm. right? Like, getting healthier is a process and it takes time and it t- right. It's not going to be like you just walk out of here on Monday on antibiotics, and then all of a sudden you're back to yourself because. Because that's the what moment- when you
0: left the ED, is that what you thought was going to happen? You were going to get these drains and yeah, and then I was just
1: going to go body. home and keep washing dishes. Like <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be fine. Like it's just a drain and a pig line, right? You don't think about it, but then you go, wait, it's a drain and a pig line in my body, right? And it's not just and it's
0: like we see pig lines every day, like every. It patient, yeah. It's
1: patient Yeah, yeah like right here person. that's it right there forever remind um. me of my pig line and my ij scar and i guess i'm makeup for that <laughs>
0: no
1: nah, that's all right. it's a it's a battle scar but you it's so in a very simplistic way you think about these things and you say it's just a pig line right like yeah. the physical presence of these things is just that right yeah. but you don't get a liver drain just because to have it there it's because it's draining something right and now you're having an infectious disease process going on in your body, so you're already not feeling well, right? And then you get a pick line, and what do you get pick lines for, right? For antibiotics and all this other stuff, so it's not just a pick line, or just a drain. Like These things are taking a toll on your body. Something
0: that I realized about that when you were talking was, like, fever. Every kid that I see, I see 200 kids a day with fever. I'm like, fever, like nothing, but even just having a fever throughout that whole process that you did, like that was a huge impact. Like just the fever alone, yeah. like making you feel yeah. already miserable. Yeah. Two
1: weeks. I had, I was febrile yeah. for two weeks, and finally it stopped after um, two whole weeks.
0: People come in with fever, I'm like, whatever, like this is nothing.
1: It's nothing, but you feel like crap. You feel bad, yeah. yeah. You feel like crap. And I feel like that's when I start to, like, have I lost the edge, right? Because yeah. <laughs> you can't help but feel bad right like yeah these kids are sick and like to the very own right like now it's not life-threatening and you know I can try my best to reassure them that whatever they're going through yeah. right it's not gonna end their life right then and there but they're still suffering you know in their own way and especially kids like what life experience do they have in a normal healthy kid yeah. to compare a fever to something else right they don't like to them they're like oh my god I feel terrible. Yeah, I feel like this is it, Mama? I'm going. Like,
0: this is the end.
1: Yeah, so to, to it might
0: be, it might not be the yeah. stomach flu.
1: To be more empathetic, yeah, with them, with you know, it's definitely changing me. No, I'm not saying I used to be a jerk. Yeah, right. Like I was never like suck it up, you little punk. Like you just have
0: empathy instead of sympathy. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Where some of us still just have sympathy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Do you?
0: Sometimes I feel like. <laughs> When I'm on the hundredth one, sometimes I'm like, I do feel bad, but
1: yeah. What was the question we were talking about?
0: Um, we were talking about all oh, the long term. Oh yeah, so then I don't even remember. Yeah, so that. then yeah,
1: I was talking about the liver, uh, the lung pain. So then I had I had to get a chest tube and I had to get drained and all this other stuff and things. I like
0: love that. how that was just like, like not even part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so many things happened. Yeah,
1: so then the chest tube happened, and then I still have like pain in that area, you know. If I go running, if I'm working out, anything like that. Um, it, and it just reminds you, even like breath, the mental yeah. aspect
0: of that, just reminding you where your scars.
1: Yeah. Like it's yeah. very present. You know what I mean? So yeah. though that's but I'll take the pain over being dead any day, you know what I mean? True. Um still though, I think long term the hardest thing that probably happened to me this whole thing was the freaking physical dependence on narcotics and opiates. Like that was fucking brutal dude like and the naive gardo it's like
0: that's a nurse
1: that's a nurse was always like dude like addiction to these pain meds is it's a state of mind like just stop taking them right
0: yeah
1: how stupid was i very stupid um i got discharged so they finally weaned me off of the IV fentanyl And then I'm on ms Contin, Lyrica, Oxys, and Dilaudid. And then this is on the floor. Yeah, because I'm still having a lot of pain.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, on the day of discharge, this is now a month later. I was in the hospital a month. Wow. On the day of discharge, they weaned me down on my morphine. And then I'm fine on the Oxys. Everything's good. So I was weaned down. I was already given, like, a partial dose of what my body was used to, and I get discharged home. I go pick – Shelly goes and picks up my meds, and then um, they're like, hey, there's something wrong with the morphine prescription, whatever, yada, 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 whatever. Just leave them. We'll take care of it later. That's um, what
0: you said to the pharmacist. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's what we said to the pharmacist. Leave it. Uh, I don't need it. I just won't take the morphine. Like, I don't need it anyway. Like, that stuff is bad for you. <clears throat> six, seven hours after being discharged, I wake up from, I was sleeping on the couch and I feel like I was dying again. I was shaking. I was sweating. I had, my heart was racing. I felt like I was dying again. And I was like, I'm crying. Like, how is this happening again? I'm on antibiotics. Like I'm trying to talk myself through. I'm like, it can't be febrile because I'm on antibiotics. Like it doesn't make any sense to me why I'm feeling like this. And then I'm like shaking and sweating and like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then I sit there and I'm like, I think I'm having opiate withdrawals. And I fucking pop an Oxy and it was as if nothing fucking, and I was like, oh my God. Wow. I was like, I am physically addicted to, well, in my, like,
0: yeah, I've,
1: I'm a drug addict. Like that's right. Like that's what yeah. went through my head. And then, I mean let's clarify now like there's drug addiction and then there's like a physical dependence on opiates right there's two very different things Mm -hmm. so when i finally came to that conclusion it was it was the start of one of the longest rehabilitations that that more than the drain and the liver and all that other stuff
0: wow
1: and you know you think back and you go well What was I gonna do? Not take the pain meds? Like what? Yeah. Like what do you do? Right? What would you have done? Could you fault him? Like I'm suffering. Yeah. Like do don't give him medicine. Like he needs medicine.
0: Did they give you any education on it or? My My pain pain dog, they finally
1: consulted a pain dog when I was in ICU because they were like, dude, if you want to go to the floor and get out of the ICU, like you have to get off of this IV fentanyl. Like 100%, (laughs) we can't send you. over So they're like, let's consult the pain dog, and then we'll see what we can do. And then the pain dog was like, well, what you're having is nerve pain, so I'm going to put you on Lyrica, MS-Contin, like a delayed morphine release, and then Oxy for breakthrough pain and things like that. I was like, fantastic. He gave me 5 and 10 milligrams. I was like, great. We transitioned over, and I was doing well and everything, and then – it happened quickly. He was like, "Just so you know, when you get discharged, you're gonna have to see a pain doc to get off of these meds." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> all right, <laughs> just stop taking them. Like, what's the big deal, right?" Yeah. And that was it. The conversation never came up again. He gave me two people that I he thought I should I should and call. It was
0: like right after you left the ICU.
1: Yeah, like I think a yeah. week or something like that after. Okay. Um Such a great doc. Like I'm okay. not even right. <laughs> um. So then. Now I'm home. I I get a taste of what uh, opiate withdrawals feels like and it feels terrible. So then now I'm taking more pain meds. And I'm taking in the hospital, it's so easy to be on that Q8, Q4, whatever, yeah. right? Because there's somebody around the clock giving you meds. But when you're at home, you're going to be getting up at three in the morning to 225 2 in the morning to take your meds. Like
0: yeah.
1: all your meds are going to be taken during the day, I guess. Yeah. Seven in the morning <laughs> to midnight. Like that's all that's yeah. going to happen, right? So now all of these pain and opiate meds are given in the bulk of the day. So I'm high, asleep on the couch all day, I sleep in like sleep hours, my, like oh sleeping gosh. like 20 hours, like just sleeping like 20 hours, not eating, keep losing weight. At this point, I, when I first got sick, I was at 175. When I got out, I weighed 139 pounds.
0: I remember seeing a picture of you, and I almost didn't recognize you.
1: I didn't recognize myself. When I looked yeah. into the mirror for the first time, from in the icu like i started crying because i was like who the fuck is this dude like yeah. just gone i wasted away it was mind-blowing suffering again another thing that you don't ever think about yeah. right mm-hmm. um so then i'm high as hell and then in this like moment of like five minute clarity i wake up and then because by the way shelly this whole time is like you shouldn't be this way like there's something wrong like you shouldn't be getting worse yeah yeah if you're out of the hospital, you should yeah. be getting better, you know? So her recognizing that something was wrong and pushing, and like forcing these conversations out of me, and then...
0: And also you recognize that it was opiate Rajal. Reju- yeah. Like in the beginning of the show. Yeah. It's, yeah.
1: it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what... I mean, maybe I guess the nurse in me, like yeah. on top of like hearing this stuff, you know, you come to that conclusion and then... like, So
0: she told you that... Something's up, something's up, yeah.
1: So then we called, I reached out to those two pain dogs. And
0: you are
1: just high, so you're like, okay, shall I yeah, no, yeah <laughs> I like, just be
0: whatever. Come on,
1: join me <laughs> here. Have <laughs> one, yeah, come on, it's, it'll be good. It's faster if you snorted. <laughs> um, and then so we call a pain doc, and then one of them's like, and this is a, now a problem with the system, right? Oh, we don't have appointments for another two weeks. It's like, dude, I'm literally telling you, I want to get off of payments and narcotics, like, and you're not. You, you can't see me, it. like you can't yeah. see me, like how is that a thing? Then I call somebody else, and they're like, "Well, we have something in a week." And I was like, "I can't wait a week." I was like, "The longest I'll give you is to Friday. Can you see me this Friday? This is like Monday or Tuesday." She's like, "Hold on a second. Okay, we'll see you Friday at such and such. Right, right. Now, luckily with the insurance I have, I was able to go to like anybody,
0: yeah. Right,
1: that would." had appointments available so i went and saw this dude and i sat down in there and i was like look dude i was like here's the morphine take it i need to get off of these meds i was like because i feel worse i was like i haven't shit i was like i can't poop
0: because it makes you because it makes you constipated i'm (laughs)
1: sleeping all day i feel worse than i was when i can actually feel like i'm bad and he was like well you just saved me like the hardest conversation that I usually have with my patients. He was like, 90% of the time I have to convince people why they don't need this medicine. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and you just, that was it. There's was done. He's like, this is what we're going to do. So he put me on like this regimen. Subutex, Clondine, uh, like Zofran, all this stuff for withdrawal symptoms. And then, you know, again, naive me. I was like, cool, fantastic, right? Not realizing that... Uh, buprenorphine or subutex is also like so what it does is like it binds to the same pain receptors that the opiates do oh so it's stimulating like you're getting the neurotransmitters and like chemically not prevent the withdrawal but basically give you the pain management because it's like stimulating the same nerve like like nerves right or the receptors, I should say. It's still stimulating the same pain receptors without the high of an opiate. Okay. okay. So I was like, cool, once you get on this medicine, then you're fine. But you also have to wean off a subutex. So the subutex itself. You since have to wean not,
0: off the wean. <laughs> yeah, because
1: it since it's binding to the same receptors, you still mm-hmm. have to like, right, taper off of that stimulation. So i was suffering through like withdrawals for like six months wow and if no one's ever gone through like opiate withdrawal or anything like that like that like be like me telling you dude like being pregnant shouldn't be that bad like you just <laughs> right like who yeah. the hell am i to not never one i'll never be able to experience something like that Yeah. and two never have something grown in me to be like yeah or, or to yeah. the stupidity of being like oh yeah well i would imagine being pregnant so i get kicked in the ball. It's like, <laughs> how stupid is that like you can't People say, say that yeah lot, you. but you can't say that right yeah so like the best way i can describe these withdrawals is like you you feel like you're dying while you're on the meds and you feel like you're dying when you're off of them and for six months for six months and oh, every gosh. day is just a battle of like like Do I sit here and suffer and like feel like I'm dying or do I go pop oxy's? Like, what are you gonna do? And you see, it opened my eyes to how easily it is to fall victim to something like that, right? Like, and like, and you, right? Like, you're patient, like, what are you gonna do?
0: Like, you said, you're thinking back, like, you wouldn't have changed anything in the hospital necessarily.
1: Like, yeah, like, what are you gonna say? Don't give me pain meds, like, you need pain meds, like, I don't know.
0: I mean, even during, like, the procedure, they should have given you more. like
1: Right? Or just put me out. I still don't know why they yeah. don't just give propofol more often. It's just, like, wipe you out and then just wake up and then you're fine, you know? Um, Ketamine, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. But that was brutal. That was wow. brutal. It felt like I was drowning. And right before I was going to pass out, I was able to take, like, <gasps> like, a breath and keep suffering in that anxiety and pain.
0: And like the crazy thing is like you wanted to get off of them. So you had that motivation. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas the doc said that he has to convince most people.
1: And I can see why it's so easy to fall into that habit, you know. Like it's I know that yeah. I know this isn't like a topic for like addiction or like the physical dependence on opiates, yeah. right? You know what I mean, but it is
0: it is I mean, worth mentioning yeah.
1: because a lot of people don't realize even as a nurse that a lot of these people fall victim to a physical dependence on opiates because they were patients once, Right. It's not because everybody's just like this homeless person, drug addict that's trying to to do drugs and get high, you know, like this is where follow like really good follow up post-hospital stays is important. You know, like what, what do we have in place to help these people and nothing. Nobody ever called me and said, Hey, I just want to make sure that you're doing okay with that detox. Cool. See you later. Nothing. Like, that's not how it works like you and you
0: had to push for an earlier point yeah there.
1: so you sit there and you you have to fight for yourself but what about the people that don't know any better or they're like well the doc says keep taking them. he's so I told him I felt like I was dying when I don't take him so if I take him I feel fine so I'm just gonna keep taking him
0: yeah. right like or what about the people that are too sick to be able to advocate for themselves or don't have someone to do it for them
1: it's such a hard hard thing you know and the suffering i wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemies dude like and i tell you i tell you it it's like it's going over lightly and funny right now but it is one of the worst experiences of my life mm. the worst and even when i got back to work six months after um i would still have like these residual like withdrawal symptoms so like the nasty hot flashes like it feels like your heart's racing, like that would come from nowhere. And it's what the general population doesn't understand is that, like, these opiates literally change your biochemistry. So you go from never needing something like this to it,
0: your body, body expects it. It's
1: physically manipulating you to expect it and make you feel like you need it. So, I mean, it's rough. And you know, it's like not a being, state of mind.
0: Yeah. I just think it's crazy that, like, there's nothing that really could have been done to prevent that. Mm-mm. Maybe better education for follow-up, but, like. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah, what but what, like, what? Do. I don't, Yeah, I don't know. But then someone could say, easily argue, well, don't prescribe them those meds. And I'm like, okay, well, you still understand that. And then they, I would
0: have had had to be in the hospital. For yeah, like, you, you to,
1: still like, need.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like it's like you want me out to have a new patient. You need to, Yeah, like you can't just like
1: <laughs> if you're going to prescribe the meds, understand that they're going to be dependent on it. But cold cutting cold turkey isn't the way to solve the problem either. Mm-hmm. right? Like clearly there's a process to it. So not prescribing opiates is not the solution. Yeah. Right. But if you're going to wean them off, then you should also have a system in place. To help with that transition. And I like, think that's a good point. It's
0: not it's not all about just the over-prescribing. It's about that there's no system in place right, to help it. Right, there isn't. Like in this whole Especially thing right Especially even for someone that wanted. Yeah, to-
1: like the opioid crisis and yeah. how they're cracking down on pharmacies. And I'm like, well, yeah, one, like it should raise flags that they're dispensing so much. But I was like, well, who are the prescribers, right? And yeah. who's checking these people?
0: And also who's going to help them when they're, who's going to help the people that the crackdown is affecting?
1: Yeah, like The people that really need this medicine need the medicine, right? It's the same way post me getting sick in the ED when people come down, like residents and stuff like that, and they're like, you know, kids with sickle cell disease or whatever or like chronic pain patients, they're like, well, they need three milligrams of Dilaudid or two. They're like, well, we're only going to give them half because they're just sick. It's like, well, one, okay, I get it, but here's the most important thing. The ED is not the place to taper somebody off of like this physical dependence that they have. Now, I appreciate and respect like macro, right? Like like in the grand scheme of things, like the problems that we're having, but you right now in this position, you can't make that decision because you're not going to follow through. Like you making them skip out on one dose is just going to make things worse.
0: And how casual those conversations are Right? Crazy.
1: That judgment we passed, right? Like he's just yeah. drug seeking, right? Like whatever. And we <laughs> like we laugh about it, right? But that's it's fucked up, right? Like, shame on me, right? For doing that in the past and not having a real understanding of what that's like. It's it's terrible, man. It's terrible. It feels like you want to die. And like, at least if I get it in the hospital, if you can just for the love of God, give me my two milligrams of Dilaudid and then like balance me out. I'm not saying be a drug house, like that's yeah, yeah, not what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. But do it at the right time do
1: it at the right time yeah but if if you don't then like why are you making this poor person suffer because the system failed him yeah right and especially someone who has sickle cell disease right like dude, they're going to live in pain the rest of their lives Yeah. right like you're never going to wean them off so don't don't get on your high horse and, and say oh you know well, i'm not going to give him pain meds because he's he's drug-seeking
0: I think it's good that we're talking about how it's a system issue. It is. And we, like, both, I think both as people that work in healthcare and both as patients, if we can just recognize that alone, I think it would make such a huge difference and yeah. what happens.
1: Absolutely. That's what I tell people in the ED. Yeah. I was like, you know, well, I don't think it's fair that I have to wait 12 hours. I was like, I don't think it's fair that I have to get yelled at and my life threatened. I was like, but we're both victims of the same system. I was like, the hospital for whatever reason doesn't want to give more rooms and the government doesn't want to give incentives to build more hospitals. I was like, so how how is that fair to anybody? Yeah. yeah. I was like, unfortunately, we have to we have to see the patients that are sickest first and that's what's going to happen. And until there's actual systems change like that's just the way it's going to be and we all try to figure out this. ways yeah. to get through the system but
0: you can only do so much with the resources that you have.
1: Yeah, and eventually What the pandemic did and, like, what really needs to happen is the healthcare system needs to just fall apart. Yeah. And then they need to build from the ground up, not just...
0: And what I wonder is, like, what does fall apart mean? Because, like, during COVID, like, there weren't enough hospital beds. Like, things were happening like that. My friends were working in, like, places that were running out of oxygen, too. And it's like, was that not enough? Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like what's what has to happen? Like...
1: Assumptions, right? And I, I don't know. But for one, I don't think the people that run the hospital should be people, business that don't
0: people. Work. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, yeah.
1: there's a conflict of interest to say that, like, I'm running a business, but I need to care for people. Like those,
0: yeah. it
1: doesn't match, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's so you, the people that are making these decisions from a financial standpoint that affect all these patients negatively like that's a problem right? and also i
0: can't imagine being in that position too like having to run a business and then make decisions for people
1: i mean but that's because you're a nurse right like you're yeah. so simple sympath- like empathetic to like True. the community and the people like that's the reason why i chose nursing <laughs> over business but we know i mean look at the state yeah. of the world in the country that we're in right like
0: the hospitals that we work in
1: yeah right like what what makes this country move forward right it's business and money it's, mm-hmm. Right, like to them, it's like, dude, this is free advertising. Like, all we have yeah. to do is is show pictures of sick patients, and then like we can say we're not not for profit, and then whatever contracts we make with insurance, like, and insurance companies alone, right? The house always wins. So sure, you know, eighty percent. I don't even know what the number is. Like, most of the patients that you're insuring are otherwise healthy people giving you money that's not being used, and then you occasionally get those some people that like just like. Oh, damn, that one person, like he got us good. Like, you know, he's only been insured for two months, but he got really sick. So we had to pay out all of this money, but they keep making money. Yeah. You know, that's a problem.
0: How do we get them not, how do we get these systems not financially motivated and patient motivated? I mean, can you answer that for me and fix the problem?
1: Like, I write, like, there are things that happen behind closed doors and these conversations that happen that involve this money and like who that money is tied with and,
0: but, I mean, I am so glad that we're literally here just, like, talking about it because at least we're talking about it. At least yeah. we're making it a We difference.
1: were, like, you know what changes you need to see to improve our wait times, to improve seeing patients sooner, to improve patients being admitted, and all that other stuff. Like, we know it. But the system doesn't allow for those things.
0: No one's asking
1: us. Exactly we know no
0: one's asking
1: us. From a business perspective, what they're seeing is so we're seeing the same amount of patients, if not more, with less staff. How are we losing? You get what I'm saying? Like the money they're They're like paying
0: less, getting the same amount of money.
1: Exactly. Why do I have to change anything? Yeah. Because he's unhappy
0: i'll I'll just find
1: somebody else like that's the capitalist economy right like humans are no longer seen as a limiting resource we're replaceable
0: yeah
1: right so what do you do then you start changing policies well and you see it all the time right well triage nurses screener nurses have to be nurses for two years and take NPC, teens easy but then then what happens right push comes to shove and they're like oh well now we're doing it six months right yeah and then they're finding ways to
0: work, uh, around. work all around the system that's working against them. Exactly. And then the problem with that is patients are going to suffer. They are. And patient outcomes are going to suffer and we're going to suffer. And
1: and who's the face of mm-hmm. healthcare, right? Like it's going to be the doctors and the nurses. It's never the, the board members, right? They're never put put on the knees and say, hey, you let this kid die in your ED because, you know, you didn't, right? That doesn't happen. Yeah. It's we. We have to take the fall because we're the face of it.
0: It's a system.
1: It is. So when people are mad, I tell them the same thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm mad too.
0: <laughs> we can be mad together. Let's be mad together. I want you to be seen too. Yeah. Like, I care about you. That's why I'm right. a nurse. Yeah. Like-
1: and, I mean, there are things that I'm sure aspects of – the system that I don't even know exists. So I I won't speak yeah. to that and I won't it's say okay, that like, I'm this is figure the only it out issue. And you, find know? Out. <laughs> you know, but without knowing details, we know that the system is yeah is flawed.
0: It's not working.
1: And COVID yeah. highlighted all of these like faults in the system and just broke it.
0: But I feel like it didn't get picked.
1: It didn't. Because they're trying to Mickey Mouse everything, right? Like, yeah. it, it's it's not it, – they still fail to see, like, like, when it comes to, like, that business aspect, like, is build or buy, right? Where yeah. they're going to buy the product that we need that's already set up a goal we're going to build from the bottom up, right? What's cheaper? To consult some third-party company to have us restructure our whole hospital or, right? Let's just overwork the nurses that we still have and have them do more work. And then instead of giving them more work, we're going to call them committees. And then we're not going to pay them for more because then we want them to be part of these <laughs> committees to do this extra work. Right. And then, you know, they use all this fancy jargon to, like, convince you to say, like, oh, no, you know what? We got to we got to do this for the system and this is going to help out. And it's, it's about yeah. it's about money. Like they're like our ultimate goal was how do we keep profiting? This is how we keep
0: profiting. I think the solution is going to be someone working in healthcare in those conversations.
1: And then they and actually they care about what that yeah. person has to say? Yeah, or actually <laughs> care
0: about the patients and Yeah. Actually and someone that is knows what's going on bedside. Mm-hmm. Like someone that's working bedside needs to be part of those conversations
1: and actually be like a,
0: a voice that matters, right? Not yeah, just like like have weight.
1: Yeah, yeah, not just like okay. So the board members want you in there just because to say that they're being inclusive of like the healthcare workforce. So we're gonna yeah. listen to you, and then but honestly, just be like, like <laughs> we're not gonna do that. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> let's reschedule. This, so, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but it's yeah. a business, and they don't care. They don't. It sucks. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry that you had to experience all that, but thank you for sharing it. Of course. I mean, I think that just hearing this story, like, people that don't work in healthcare, people that haven't been patients, like, there's so much to learn. And, like, I think I've mentioned this before, but, like, you as a patient in the hospital almost dying, like, that's not the person that needs to fix the system. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, people that are out here that have the energy and the ability to advocate and like we need to, because like, you like what happened to you, you never know. Like next week it could be you in the hospital and like, what are you going to do to make that a better place for yourself, mm-hmm. your loved ones, other people? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause
0: I'm not asking you specifically. S- yeah. <laughs> no. Cause
1: like you said, right. Like, the through line of all of this is like, we realize that there's a problem with the system. Yeah. And how do we fix that? And me being a nurse and being a part of that system didn't navigate it any really differently. True. Like, I didn't say things that got things done. I didn't, as I was coding, they were all just standing there, no matter what I said. Nothing changed. Right. Like, I still got slapped with a bill. I okay. still got slapped with go payments. Right. Like, I don't have the higher up on anything like I'm just as much a part of it as anybody else who doesn't have any knowledge of it. Right. So. Yeah. Right. We need to see change in that system. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know
0: what it looks like,
1: what that looks like.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing. I, I think there's so much to learn and understand from your story and i really appreciate you coming on the journey. well
1: it. thanks i'm glad i could share it you know yeah. i mean
0: i'm glad you're it's, here it's to just share a story <laughs> yeah i'm glad i'm here
1: too <laughs> yeah i guess my biggest my biggest regret if i had one out of everything would probably be yeah yeah you can okay <laughs> yeah you can is that i didn't get braces while i was sick <laughs>
0: because <laughs> I, I want those pictures anyway I yeah you know because as you're
1: sitting there not eating and everything it would have been like the perfect time to just like <laughs> have a mouthful of wire <laughs> so don't get braces after you get sick
0: don't get braces after you
1: get give it while you're sick uh.